Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Cold Popcher podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Wow, we are. You guys all are identical out of to me. Yeah, that's always how it looks. Nice, Richard. Do you want to kick us off? Um, whammy, and welcome <laughs> to the Cop Option Podcast. It's uh, I'm currently in America, but mm. not as I'm recording this, but as you're listening to this, and so we've recorded this uh, episode in advance. Fun We've fact. recorded this episode in advance, um, and this might be the only time in the shows and like the, the six years of film franchise Fortnites that we're recording a film franchise Fortnites episode before two more episodes that are gonna come out. So the last two episodes you would have heard, which I know one of them is Bad Boys, and I think one of them is coming to America, but we're not sure. <laughs> Those canonically take place before this, <laughs> but this is recorded um before them. And so um, if you're wondering which... if you want like a time period for uh when this is being recorded, I've just Googled news. So this is we're recording this the day that a man was killed after being mauled by a pack of dogs in Northland. Okay, that's what a grim... that's how long ago it was. <laughs> I guess I guess it is, and we are covering a news themed um, franchise yeah. with a news themed guest today on mm. film franchise Fortnite, which of course is our show where we watch and discuss a film franchise every fortnight or in some cases in this rapid cramped space of time that we then have to quickly record because one of us is going out of the country something that's already happened once before this year um but yeah yeah well who's our news themed guest our news themed guest is is your mate so i thought you were gonna introduce (laughs) (laughs) uh we're joined today by andrew mcfarlane Hello. I like how you took me through the cinematic universe of the cult popture world, so everyone knew if we were in a chronological order or, you know, in, like, Infinity Stones order. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I will say about this order, though, that I thought was funny is that, um, so this isn't how the episodes are coming out, but... This is the third podcast in a row we've recorded in which San Diego is a massive part of the franchise because <laughs> we just, if you count Jurassic Park and Jurassic World as one franchise, we just did that in which San Diego is a big location in the second film. We then did an episode on the San Diego Comic-Con and now we're doing Anchorman, the Anchorman trilogy? Uh-huh. Not really, but we treated yeah. it like one, didn't we? The Anchorman franchises consists of two and a bit films. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit rich to say the third one's a film. You know, it's a bit yeah. glorified. 
Well, the, the second one, I sh- we should say. Yes, yeah, sorry. There's, sorry, there's, we're getting confused a, in the cinematic yeah, universe yeah, of the yeah, yeah, film. Been... It's, it's a 1.5 situation. Yeah. It's a 1.5 situation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the, the the three-ish films we're talking about today are Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, which came in 2004, and then Wake Up Ron Burgundy, The Lost Movie, uh, which came also came in 2004, also known as Anchorman, The Legend Continues. And then the third film oh, is wow. Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. In 2013. Interesting. So, distant comedy sequel. This ought to be good. Mm. (laughs) Well, also, Mm. um, dated classic comedy from the early 2000s. Mm. This ought to be good, right? I do want to ask, before we begin, talking about what the films are about, um, and I'm I'm curious, uh, specifically with you, Andrew, is, Mm -hmm. like, what, what are your experiences with the Anchorman franchise is this what got you into journalism oh, yes you know i just i just saw the rampant sexism in the newsroom and i was like i've got to have a slice of that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so it's it's so funny like when i think of that kind of era of comedy i don't know how to describe it but it's always there's this particular type of film you know you'd put anchorman in there with like zoolander you know this like mm-hmm. particular type of u.s comic probably an snl associate or something mm-hmm. this is the film i think of when i think of those eras like it's the one that mm-hmm. everyone at school had seen it was absolutely like i i remember it so solidly as something that people would watch when i was like at high school yeah what um, what you're referring to is known as the frat pack um, so it's, it's a group right. of actors, uh, and usually considered to include Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, Jack Black, Paul Rudd, and Vince Vaughn. Most of whom, all but one, or yeah, all but one, appear in this franchise. Who's the one that doesn't? Uh, Owen Wilson. Running back. Owen Wilson does not. But yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got uh, so this is like includes things like uh, Meet the Parents, Zoolander, Orange County, Starsky and Hutch. Dodgeball, Anchorman. Hell yeah! Um, Some of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but they kind of, they kind of fit into that category of so bad that they they kind of become good again just because this they kind of yeah. fit into that own category. Yeah, mm. and that that's that's I know my kind of experience with Anchorman two specifically. Um, I have just also realised that we introduced you as a news themed guest but we didn't really explain what that meant uh, Andrew <laughs> was in the news for last are. week for, for, for a ram raid in Auckland <laughs> um, yeah who are you Andrew McFarlane I'm TVNZ's Australia correspondent so I'm calling from from Sydney we are two hours behind you and 10 years behind you socially. Um, <laughs> so, wow, you must yeah, have I'm, loved Anchorman. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I was like, this was just yesterday in Australia. Um, so yeah, I'm the, I'm the Aussie correspondent. So anything that happens in Australia, I'm the one reporting on it. So not quite an Anchorman, but, but news-themed enough for us to be like, let's yeah. do Anchorman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's literally what happened. Uh, yeah, AJ, what about you? Um, I So, I mean, it's Anchorman. It's Anchorman, right? One of the funniest tweets I ever saw was like, people don't understand how lucky they are to have memes. In 2004, all we could do is sit around in a room and trade Anchorman quotes. And I think that describes what this movie is perfectly. This is one of the most quoted comedies mm. probably of the last 20 years. Um, and when I, I would have seen it when I was probably a little bit too young for it. And it's real funny. My main, I remember seeing it and thinking that after um, 
spoilers frank about after the jack black kicks the dog off the bridge <laughs> i remember thinking suddenly get this i remember thinking suddenly the movie became silly why mm. did it become for so, like watching mm. it now it's i'm so like no it's silly all the way through yeah. it's it's like a it's you know that kind of operating on that level of reality but i guess so much stuff just did not <laughs> i didn't receive it as being like comical or you were like the jazz flute scene was just so reasonable i I guess so i guess so so i remember thinking like being like disappointed that it got too silly when i was like 12 when i first saw it now i'd be like no no it's all it's all disappointing (laughs) it's it's all silly it's all disappointing that i so i never really liked anchorman growing up and but i hadn't seen it for over 10 years and re-watching it for this podcast i i feel like we're in in similar vibes here but for anyone who's excited that cult popture is doing an anchorman episode this movie is awful this movie <laughs> has aged so so terribly like every aspect of it it's aged in different ways it's gone from being like this cutting edge comedy to something where like i didn't laugh at any of the jokes (laughs) because i've heard them before and you know that's not to even to speak upon the like horrific horrific the celebrated sexism in this movie it's It's so (laughs) just oh my god i can't believe that that how bad this movie is to watch now um what about you, Richard? Would you agree with that at all, or disagree? Um, yeah. So, uh, my 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 experience with Anchorman was the the, the classic like I'd heard every quote of the film kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know, I, I maybe watched it in two thousand seven ish for the first time, and I think me and my sister got it out from the video store. And we were like, you know what? Let's sit down and let's watch Anchorman. And after about thirty minutes, we turned it off, and because Little Nicky was on TV. And so we watched <laughs> Little Nicky instead, the Adam Sandler high caliber comedy one. But um, and then so the the I went back and watched it maybe a year or two later and and enjoyed it enough. And mm. I think um, and, and then so anytime Anchorman would come up in conversation, my sister and I would go, oh, not as good as Little Nicky. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, it was one massive memory I have of um of anchorman though and this is actually something that unites all three of us is that we all went to broadcasting school in christchurch um at at different times but i think this might have been before your time andrew because you went a little a few years uh after Mm -hmm. us but there was part of it so there's three different streams to it you do they have a tv and film stream a journalism stream and a radio stream aj and i did tv and film andrew you did journalism and part of the radio stream so like you know the, the class of radio students to you of course they make a radio station and so there's a radio station there's a frequency that's just run by the new zealand broadcasting school and each year they get to design their own radio station and when it was offline for like the year had finished the i think it was the end of my second year that frequency just played the audio of anchorman one and two oh, on yeah. repeat for like for 24, 24 hours a day i remember that yeah yeah i didn't know that it's, at, at the time i was <laughs> i was delivering pizzas I, I was i was working as a delivery driver and occasionally i would just turn it on and just like listen to <laughs> a bit of anchorman or anchorman and 2. richard was like this is better than the normal programming <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, um and i've so, looked up yeah the, sorry you go yeah no i didn't have anything i was just stalling 
Okay. <laughs> I've looked up, I've just looked up Little Nicky on Ron Tomatoes, mm. um, and it has 21%. What are we looking at for Anchorman? Uh, Anchorman. This is, yeah, where Richard puts his money where his mouth is about how much better <laughs> Little Nicky is. <laughs> um, what would you guys guess? Anchorman has a I don't I just think I would know I would th- like part of me is like oh it's gonna be like 80 but also people hated comedies back it could then. be in the 40s yeah yeah exactly and like everyone talks about how bad Anchorman 2 is I think I'm gonna say the first one's 43 one. that's my guess all right I'm gonna guess um 70 it's 66 percent oh yeah Okay. I don't there know if some, I'm some hope. impressed or disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, directed by Adam McKay, and yeah, we've, we've talked about our experiences enough. What's what's the film actually about? Mm. Who wants to so, take the first film? I'll go first film. Or do you want first, what's harder? You take the easier one, Andrew. What one do you want? Just quickly reading. Which I'll go Wikipedia synopsis we'll go is longer. You, you want to do the first one? Go for it. I'm just like quickly, quickly Googling. (laughs) (laughs) What is it about? (laughs) (laughs) So the first one we have, uh, protagonist is even a bit of like a controversial term for Ron because he's so horrible. (laughs) (laughs) He's like this 70s anchor in San Diego, top of his game, hosts the nightly newscast, which is just dominated by dudes and the network bring in a woman. And it's sort of, as you'd expect, disaster unfolds. Everyone is trying to have sex with the woman. Ron Burgundy is like, I am, but trying to be respectful about it, which she obviously is not respectful about. She then sort of becomes his co-anchor. Comedy ensues when the two of them fight over the job, basically. It turns into an almost like Mr. and Mrs. Smith vibe, where the two just play like (laughs) pranks on each other. Pranks is also a lighthearted term for like career sabotage. (laughs) And it culminates in Ron saying on the auto cue, what does he say at the end? Is it fuck you, San Diego? Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Which is like a, a flip on his catchphrase. He gets booted off the air and goes into a deep, dark depression. There's a dog in there that gets booted off a bridge as well in a very graphic scene. <laughs> and the movie gets silly after that. <laughs> exactly, that's the point. <laughs> and then it all kind of comes towards the end with the zoo scene where there's a lovely panda birth and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. Hmm. And everyone makes amends. Um, yeah, yeah, that's... That, so there's... I think... I was trying to think of, like, what's the nicest thing I could say about this movie, right? And here it is. This is maybe the best use of the PG thirteen F bomb of all time. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think yeah. it. So for those who, um, I always love saying this. For those who haven't seen this, like insanely classic movie mm. the the context as andrew went over there is that um veronica who is his ex-lover slash nemesis um learns that that ron will read anything off the teleprompter and this is to be fair to the filmmaking and the storytelling pretty well established through like mm-hmm. in, in smaller ways like he, he'll read i'm ron burgundy because there's a question yeah. mark at the end of a sentence um and so to get him back once and for all for all the various pranks or whatever we're calling them um she changes his catchphrase uh what is it usually stay classy san diego stay classy san diego to go fuck yourself san diego it is the only f-bomb in a film which i feel like a lot of people probably falsely remember as being littered with them that escalated Um, fucking quickly (laughs) (laughs) it is it is genuinely quite shocking it's a pretty good joke um and it hits so hard in the moment because because there haven't been any swear words it's kind of like it feels not out of place, but it sticks out like a sore thumb, and you kind of share the shock of everyone in the scene, I mm. feel. Yeah. yeah. 
And with so many movies where it's like, you you know, you're only allowed one, you're only allowed two F-bombs, to see one use that limitation narratively is appealing to me as someone who likes filmmaking, I guess. That is the nicest thing I could say about Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. The, the thing the nice thing i have to say about it is that <laughs> i think the the core uh like group of four is so good and like the mm. the casting and the the chemistry so you got will ferrell as ron burgundy who's the lead anchor then you got paul Rudd as brian fantana who's a uh like a more of a, an andrew mcfarland type he's a know, roving just, reporter yeah <laughs> roving reporter <laughs> um and then you have steve carell as brick tamlin who's the weatherman and then Dave Kochner as Champ, who is a uh, the sportscaster. And they've all got their sort of things, like Ron's very sort of bravado lead character vibes. Uh, Brian Fantana is like a, a ladies' man. Brick is stupid. And um, Champ is masculine, sexist, uh, and also stupid. And he says, whammy! There's also a very distinct gay vibe there where he gets oh, drunk and is like, Ron, we need to live together. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah and even more so in uh wake up ron burgundy as well yeah it's it's like this joke that was somewhat edited out of the first film mm. but it feels like there like was a scene up. somewhere that they were like mm, too much mm. Mm. well that's that's what the, i mean we'll get to it but the lost movie is the deleted scenes from the yeah. first movie so there literally was a deleted scene um i think out of the four of them the only one of them that i'm i wasn't like at least partially sickened by seeing like the kinds of things that were considered jokes in 2004 um is steve corral and he says the r word in the movie so like the best one still has this blemish on him right like he's he's the like i felt like the the like especially champ is pretty pretty disgusting um Brian, I mean, I could go through each of all three of the others and talk about how disgusting Mm. they are. But like, Steve Corral's the only one I found like lovable. The other ones Mm. were like, yeah, I probably found this funny once (laughs) a long time ago. What What's weird about it as well is the sexism is so prominent. But then it feels like they're like, but guys, we're being funny about sexism because we're talking Mm. about how we're horrible men and there's only one woman in the newsroom. And then you're like, I get that you're. Like they're making a point about how sexist the characters are, but you still feel like even though they're trying to make like they're in on the joke, you're like, there's still a lot of stuff that you probably didn't think was problematic when you wrote this. Absolutely. Mm, totally. And I think that like we're starting to see this is a this is a talking point that I've seen coming up more and more, is that like ironic sexism guess what you're also just not ironically being sexist you know like you can set your movie in the 70s so that you can have characters say sexist things but like the the there is a real vibe of this movie that is almost like remember the good days um and it's really it's really gross like at the end it it, it freeze frames on all the characters and tells you what happens to them and like champs one is he like gets fired for sexual harassment and that's it and that's supposed to be like you're supposed to go like oh champ you 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 scamp you yeah yeah you know you're shaking your fist and rolling your eyes boys will be boys um and what i what i think is the the ultimate indictment on the filmmakers in this film is that like there is supposed to be this kind of idea that then none of the characters are as good as they think they are they're Mm. like you know ron burgundy in particular is like a bit, like we're supposed to see him as not like necessarily the coolest guy but everyone around him and because yeah. because the 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 new show they host isn't even 
the main news it's it's like it's local news. nightline yeah. <laughs> right like it, it's it's not even like the main one which shocked me i didn't remember that i just assumed it was the 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 nightly news but so it's like they're already like small fish that think they're big fish and that's funny and if it was a movie about a bunch of people who are too big for their britches and a woman enters and they all learn oh we actually we shouldn't be sexist yeah we're gonna have to share these britches <laughs> i think that that would um make a more palatable movie but then um the movie becomes so everyone's trying to have sex with veronica and she's like rejecting them all because she's a strong powerful mm. um single woman and but then ron burgundy succeeds he he woos her and there's a scene where he plays the jazz flute and and they get <laughs> and together the and there's sort of a silly <laughs> And then the movie gets silly, and there's sort of this—I wouldn't say graphic—but lavish sex scene where, where you know, they're both very much enjoying they go to it. Pleasure land. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, if you are sticking to the the characters you've written, Ron Burgundy should be bad at sex. Ron Burgundy should not be able to land Veronica. Ron Burgundy should be like that. Should be where the conflict comes from is that he's not that he's like can't perform, mm. and it is he should I be think like speaks... Marcus and Bad Boys Two, a franchise we covered uh, <laughs> yeah, a month sure. ago. <laughs> I, and I, I think that it's it it speaks to the fact to the maybe the egos of Will Ferrell or the the sexism that is still there beyond the like ironic quote unquote sexism from from the filmmakers is that that they are still there is still like like there's a male gaze within the characters that is acknowledged by the text but because he successfully lands her and it undoes all her like powerful you know ideas and just makes her another woman written by men Mm. like it means that the male gaze is also also still unconsciously unconsciously there ron burgundy should be bad at sex it's so obvious that it should. that's the bio for this episode Yeah, it's also weird that you suddenly when the dog gets booted and you were like this is where the movie gets weird literally like 10 minutes before that there's the jazz flute scene which goes on for far too long I have to admit I did skip ahead and then my rewind when the fire comes out the end because it's like that's kind of cool you're like I've clearly missed something here (laughs) what did I miss in the plot oh there's alcohol involved but also not even that after the flute scene, the producers are like, no, that wasn't weird enough. We need a green screen sequence where they're riding on unicorns as a metaphor for mm. sex. Mm. And that wasn't the thing that you were like, no, 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 it's a very serious film still. Very <laughs> I, serious. Do you know what? It's very possible I didn't see the whole movie. I think I might have only seen bits of it. I was young, so my parents probably taped The blockbuster the, DVD the, or the tape had like skipped a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, that, that is a good point. I, I, I not, I'm not claiming I was right and thinking the movie got <laughs> Then. I had raised know. the green screen moment from my head. Like I, I when I was watching mm. rewatching the film, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Mm. I, I actually, I did not remember this. That's <laughs> like around where we turned it off when I watched it um, with my sister. <laughs> that we were like, "This is this is too, this is too silly." What's next? Yeah. Jack Black's gonna shop and kick a dog off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I didn't think the dog kicking was the was too silly i thought the it's like a jump the shark kind of thing the dog it's like that that marked where it got silly apparently that dog was problematic in the film like i was reading reading a thing and it said apparently that film got a pg-13 rating partially because of excessive dog genitalia so because the dog baxter showed off too much of his business in an early cut of the film the motion picture association (laughs) miracle was like "Mm." (laughs) But too much dog dick. 
That's why you get Wake Up Ron Burgundy, which is just wall to wall dog dick. They were like, we will, we will earn this ranking. Here's all the stuff we couldn't show you. It's fun. Have you heard about? Um, speaking of problematic dogs on set, this is where I thought you were going to go with this more in this direction. But the the director of Doolittle, the the Robert Downey Jr. movie, like apparently this guy's just a psycho and like you know had no idea how to direct a movie. But apparently, on top of all this, his dog was racist. <laughs> and so it would be on on a set and like single out any like person of color and just bark at them relentlessly <laughs> wow. was it trained to do that <laughs> like it makes you think surely right <laughs> it's it's funny that it happened in a movie about talking animals because what their dogs are doing says so much it? <laughs> it was actually just barking a slur and they were like man yeah. if we could understand this dog <laughs> if we could hear this dog yeah <laughs> um it's so I, I i mentioned the cast there a little bit and you've also got um uh what's her name <laughs> um christina applegate as uh, veronica hornigstone but there is a few other the supporting cast you've got um Fred Willard plays Catherine the Hahn. head of the studio. Hmm? Oh, yeah, Catherine Hahn in like Hahn. the tiniest role. Um, you've got Vince Vaughn shows up in a very small role in this, which is expanded in um, uh, Wake Up Ron Burgundy. Chris Parnell, Fred Armisen, Jack Black shows up. Um, yeah, there, there's and then you have a few more com- cameos: Tim Robbins, Luke Wilson, Ben Stiller. And also Tim see- Robbins is such a random person to be like, yeah, he'll be the other cameo we do. Do you know, do you know why he did it? Why? Uh, to get a free wig, which apparently he still has as of 2019. <laughs> so he shows up during the famous um, newscaster battle royale scene, which has several cameos from other Brat Pack members, and then Shawshank Redemption's Tim Robbins. And it's like... It should have really been like played you- by Owen Wilson. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. Like I can see, I could so see like this. Um, you know, thirteen-year-olds watching this movie in two thousand four and be like, "Oh, it's Ben Stiller! Oh my god!" And then and that who's that guy? <laughs> like not knowing who Ben Stiller for what for you know another problematic point uh, plays a Mexican person for the Spanish language. Uh, news as well so there you go we're we're it basically this movie basically ticks off everything you can be a shit person about mm. yeah <laughs> what are you guys favorite jokes in the film <laughs> <laughs> it's like picking between your kids but you don't like any of the kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> When I started watching the movie, I messaged you guys and being like, I feel like we take for granted how funny some of these jokes are. Because I, at, right at the start of the film, it's showing like a highlight of Ron's career. And there's a bit, it's like, a, it's a famous gif where they're like, Ron, we're live now. And he's just like, I don't believe you. And I think that is so mm. funny. The, like his delivery of the line. And it's, it's, it's so perfect. And then that was like the only time I really laughed uh, throughout yeah. the whole film. <laughs> I actually yeah. think I watched the stone faced. I don't know if I laughed once. I guess my favorite joke is go fuck yourself, but yeah. we already talked about that. My, but I didn't laugh either. I was just like, that's good. My favorite good part stuff. of the movie is Chris Parnell. After he says the go fuck yourself, San Diego, Chris Parnell's character is crying, talking to Rod and says, poop, why are you talking poop out of your mouth? Burgundy. <laughs> and that that's always been my favorite part of the movie. Mm. 
I still don't think you can get past the like that classic, well, that ex- escalated quickly gif. I mean, it was mm. so overused. And I think I saw the gif before I saw the film, which is such a weird situation wow. to be in. So like, I remember when I saw that clip and I was like, oh shit, this is where it's from. But there's something so funny about like the crazy juxtaposition between literally people with like a chain and ball, like mm. bashing someone's head in and like Brick killing someone and him just sitting back with a beer. So I did like that scene. I thought that's possibly mm-hmm. like the only moment, but I think like, we're not going to call that a laugh. I think it was more of like a an <laughs> exhaling of air from my nose. Yeah, there, there's quite a few jokes on this that I I like on paper, you know? Like, well, I, like, like yeah. I liked them maybe twenty years ago, almost when mm. when I'd hear someone be like, "Great Merlin's beard," I'd be like, mm. "That's a funny thing to say." I I detest when people say that escalated quickly. Now it's what people who don't know how to be funny say when they're trying to be funny, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's that's the like. I, one thing I will say about that that gift moment though that that escalated, escalated quickly is it's a rare gif where it's like that's actually the line being said. Like that freeze frame and that mm-hmm. quote is actually what's happening. Because you look at something like um, like a lot of the Big Lebowski ones, it's like a quote from the movie, but it's not actually the shot in which the right. character is saying that line. Or even that like the Breaking Bad one, what the, Jesse, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not what he's even saying in that scene. So like it's it is it's, I was expecting to see that freeze frame that I know so well and hear a different line, but no, it is in fact and this is how little I liked this movie that this is the talking point I've let us down. <laughs> well I can let me take you guys back pre Anchor Man mm-hmm. and we'll talk a little bit mm. about the development of this film because it's kind of interesting. Okay. So there there was a script called uh, well, when they both worked at Saturday Night Live, because Adam McKay worked there as well, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay began working on a script called August Blowout, which was apparently Glen Gary Glenn Ross meets a car dealership. And then uh, it was a very popular script around Hollywood, but never got made. And then Paul Thomas Anderson, the director, read it and offered to sort of like shepherd the script into something, into something good. And then it eventually they sort of came up with the idea of Anchorman. Apparently Will saw an interview with the 70s Anchorman talking about how sexist they were and he thought it was hilarious. This guy like celebrating his own sexism. And, and he's like, I can make this worse. <laughs> <laughs> I can popularize this for thousands of impressionable <laughs> teenagers. Yeah. But so the the early version of the script, and there are elements of this in Wake Up Ron Burgundy, but it was going to be a parody of the disaster film Alive, where a group of news people, um, after for some reason Ron Burgundy is the one who crashes their plane, the news team gets trapped in the wilderness trying to make their way back to civilization but their plane collided with like a plane carrying orangutans and martial arts weapons so they were gonna have like shuriken wielding uh orangutans were gonna be the villains for the movie and versus cannibalistic newsmen hmm and then presumably the rugrats movie came out and they were like well now we can't do the monkey thing (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah apparently uh paul thomas anderson hated the script so much he walked out he walked away from it i wonder why what a funny ending to that story i want that movie yeah and then but then he he he, in retrospect he said he, he shouldn't have done that and also apparently that version of the script had a musical number with sharks so, See, this is what I think about. When I think about watching the first film in particular, I'm like, 
I felt like it had a musical number. Well, there is a musical number with sharks in the second film, technically. Mm. They sing a song to a shark. You know, but it feels like the first one, it got so batshit crazy. I was like, all it needs is a musical theatre number, and they've really ticked everything off. (laughs) Mm. The the jazz flute didn't do it for you? Needs lyrics? It needed lyrics. I wanted to hear him singing while while Mm. doing it, please. I think that's where Lizzo got it from the act. I think that's where Lizzo got her (laughs) playing the flute. She was like, wait a minute. Um. So I think we're kind of ready to, you guys are ready to move on to Wake Up Ron Burgundy. When are we I doing so. our, our oft-forgotten segment? I'm going to wise. do it going into Anchorman 2 because okay, I think there is okay, an answer to it. fair enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Wake Up Ron Burgundy. So Wake Up Ron Burgundy, the lost movie, is a direct-to-video counterpart to Anchorman, which it's... Oh, this, this is really interesting as well. I forgot about this. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's comprised of all the outtakes and um, deleted scenes from the film. So there was this whole deleted subplot where originally mm. the sort of big overarching news story was going to be this group of terrorists calling themselves the Alarm Clock and, you know, they wanted the world to wake up, hence the title of the film. And yeah, apparently uh, test audiences found it like liked everything except that story so they replaced it with the panda storyline but if you go on wikipedia which is a lot less there's a lot yeah. less of the panda storyline yeah so uh if you uh, uh on wikipedia you look here and it has um you know it says it's it stars will ferrell christina applegate david kochner steve Carell, paul rudd on arnold schwarzenegger um if you scroll down to the cast list the the cast is pretty impressive you got steve carell as jonathan kurt john edwards Kristen wig as emily jennifer mcbride al fanning tom holland amanda seyfried mark Wahlberg, ben schwartz jennifer aniston arnold schwarzenegger merrily merrily elizabeth winstead the first film <laughs> uh, benedict cumberbatch as hulk hogan robert danny jr Go fuck yourself san diego <laughs> uh, ned Beatty, zach efron brad pitt sophia lillis Jack McBride. What are you reading? This is the cast list according to Wikipedia for Wake Up Ron Burgundy. What the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia, come get your boy. Come come edit. someone has ravaged this in the edit. Yeah. Mm, that's so strange. I was just shocked by like the the size of the cast for the film that we just didn't see at all, <laughs> which I'm curious about how much of a budget they had for the first film that they had enough that they were like, oh, these offcuts can make another whole movie, which That's is a lot I about the funding. Well. Yeah, watching the the lost movie, I was like, God, there's there's like an hour and a half of movie in here. What was Anchorman going to be like three hours long? And the fact that they could. They had so many offcuts that they had enough to stitch together for a feature length. Obviously, there's like a tiny bit of crossover with actual events from from the original film, but they had enough mm. subplot that they were like, "Yeah, we can make this work." Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bizarre. What, what did you guys think of the film? Had you, had you seen this before? No, I'd, I'd heard of it, mm. um, and I didn't think it would maybe count as part of the franchise. Feels more like a film franchise follow ups for Patreon kind of episode. Um, it's essentially a special feature. This mm. is one of those films we watched for the podcast, which maybe we shouldn't have watched because even like, it's not like 
like I say, it's special feature because it, it literally is the the off the like, the, scenes, the, yeah. the outtakes and the deleted scenes. Um, but it's not like it's one hundred percent a new movie. Like if they'd just made a movie out of the cancelled alarm clock plot, which is so funny that they filmed all of it <laughs> and it like stars Maya Rudolph. Yeah. Um, but like they also do that while including just alternate takes from the movie, and so there's it's this real like lack of cohesion where like. It does. It sort of feels like it wants you to believe this takes place after Anchorman One, but at the end of Anchorman One, the characters get promoted, and um, you know, it, Vene- it, it needs Veronica, to make Veronica and Ron split up again. A lot of this is done through narration. Yeah, yeah. Veronica is calling him Mister Burgundy, despite the fact that they're they're you know presumably being that was the first thing i noticed i remember she called him mr burgundy first time and i was like oh if i was editing this i probably would have cut that out to maintain continuity because it sounds so strange um and then she kept calling him mr burgundy i was like oh that's why they didn't cut it out because she says it too much veronica disappears in the film like she Mm. she's literally kidnapped which feels like such a significant plot point but the fact (laughs) that you watch the original anchorman and you don't have a scene where like her characters changed after being kidnapped by a terror group and this (laughs) they're like oh should we just cut the whole subplot where one of our leads gets kidnapped for a bit Mm. (laughs) i did um i did think this this did make me laugh with one joke though more than the actual movie did which was when they're in the car and he's looking at her he's looking at veronica and they're driving to their date and she's like i really would be more comfortable if you looked at the road mr burgundy and he's like i know these roads by the back of my like the back of my hand you know and he starts pointing out without looking starts pointing out different um like sites and then she's like mr burgundy there's a there's a mexican family crossing the street and he goes, oh, the Rodriguez's? I know them. And it's like, I was like, that's a good joke. I like that. Um, but yeah, the rest, it's, it, is, it is just a series of like maddening deleted scenes. Mm. We've talked before, there's a scene where they're in the car and Champ goes on a like a rant that would have even been edited down for the actual film if it had been included in it. Mm. But it's clearly just David Kochner like improvising over the fact that he's in love with Ron and everyone is like ignoring him <laughs> saying anything. Yeah. Um I thought uh Steve Carell's performance as the character that's not saying anything in that whole scene was hilarious though, because he's just sort of like delightfully grinning over <laughs> it, David Kochner. Um there, but there was another scene, it might have been the same scene where they're in a van and I'm pretty sure if you go back and watch it, Steve Corral is green screened into the back seat. <laughs> like he looks he looks like out doesn't look like he's part of the scene. And then when you cut to the truck from a wide, um I feel like you can't see him in it. This is when they um decide to become their own new like on the on the ground news team. Mm. What's what do they call it? He calls it something like he gives it a name, a snappy name, and they're mm. going to try to track down the terrorist group. Um, God, what is it? I'm going to have to fucking work out what... It's not a good <laughs> sign that we're like, no, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of the Lost movie? I didn't know it existed, and I found it really hard to find a link to it. <laughs> it's on YouTube. I, like, I rented it on YouTube. Well, that's the thing. I was like, I'm going to have to find it on YouTube because there's nowhere else. And I have, like, plenty of streaming services. And the fact that they have mm. the main two on there, but they're like, we're not carrying this weirdly <laughs> niche. And I didn't. I literally had no clue it existed, but I was floored that they had that much content. Mm. I just thought it was... It's also bizarre for them to be like... Well, because they must have released blooper reels for the original film as well. It's just must have been such a bizarre conversation in the edit room, being like, you know what, we've got enough of. 
we've got a whole film here. And for someone to be like, that's great, let's do it. And here's the yeah. subplot. Yeah, it's bad. It's a bad It's a bad sign. So bad. Um, yeah. Does this even have a Ron Tomato score? Uh, it doesn't, no. But no. the it's, yeah, it's, we've never really covered something like this. It's it's super interesting. But it, it, it is funny that, like, I can see why these scenes were deleted. They're not yeah. that funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think the one of Champ professing his love in the car and everyone ignores it is probably the funniest scene in the movie, I thought, of just like, but more how hard everyone is trying to ignore him. And I think that, that that's one that I could see being in the film that, that might have been, you know, quite a late deletion. But mm. the, yeah, the rest of it, like all, all the alarm clock stuff, I was like, this isn't, none of this is quotable or funny. Yeah. The the segment that Ron Burgundy's does on the street is called Rip the Lid Off of It. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just had to search very hard to find that. <laughs> but he calls it Rip the Lid Off of It. I feel like the point you raised, though, Richard, is none of it's quotable. It feels like the first film, they went into it being like, we mm. need quotable moments from this. Mm. And that's that's absolutely like the lens which everything was shot from and edited from. And that's mm. why the offcuts feel so like lackluster almost. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's funny that because, you know, especially like Anchorman took on a life of its own that when you go into when they went into making Anchorman 2, they probably definitely did that. Like there's so many bits where they're like, this is going to be, this is going to be the new that escalated quickly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But did they, did they find, I don't know. Do you guys have much to say about wake up Ron Burgundy? Do we need to dwell no. on it? <laughs> I feel like it goes, just goes hand in hand with, I'll say it. We, sh- we didn't need to watch it. We shouldn't have watched it. <laughs> that is an hour and a half. I will knock it back. <laughs> <laughs> like usually we're pretty, we, we pretty, we want to be like, um, you know, we want to get everything, no excuses. We want to get everything in a franchise. But this really just feels like it's not technically part of it. I don't know. Wikipedia often governs whether or not I consider a vague sequel to be part of it. And this does, when you look at the Anchorman external links, lists it as the second movie. So, I don't know. I guess... <sighs> At least now we don't have to worry, feel guilty that we didn't yeah. watch it. You know, well, now, Andrew, now you have that off your conscience. That you don't exactly. have to feel guilty <laughs> that you skipped it. <laughs> there was a lot of fast forwarding going on through a lot of part of it. <laughs> and I'm proud to, I am proud to admit that. <laughs> so we did, after, God, years of, uh, mm. of fans begging for a sequel to Anchorman, we finally got Anchorman 2. The legend continues in 2013. And, uh, yeah, and uh, Andrew, do you want to take what this one's about? No, I'm you did the first one, sorry, didn't you? Yeah. I'm curious, though, cards on table, mm-hmm. better or worse? I, I'm i ashamed to admit I find Anchorman 2 so funny. <laughs> I find it better, <laughs> yeah. so much better. Yeah. I, really? I, I, yeah, An- Anchorman has, has gone into the part of my mind with, like, uh, like team america's one like this and there's a show called summer heights high which um you guys are both familiar with but that were just quoted so much to me before i saw them and so by the time i watched them i was like everything in this film was old news and <laughs> i don't know anchorman 2 i remember seeing in the cinema and being like i found that pretty fucking hilarious <laughs> 
Um, I think it's probably worse, but the I remember when this came out and everyone was like, oh my god, it's nowhere near as good as the first one. Shut the fuck up. Like, the <laughs> yeah. first one's not very good. I think the main thing that, that shocked me watching this was, so how many years later did this come out? Uh, nine years. So if we were getting a third one, it would be due out this year. Like, th- that nine years feels like my entire life. This mm. felt like m- a massive deal when it came out, but now if, yeah. like, a sequel to a 2012 movie came out, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that was 10 years ago. But, like, that nine years felt like 20 for me because the the gap between Anchorman 1 and Anchorman 2 came out. We, Anchorman 2 came out, felt like my entire it, life. Uh, it would be like if a sequel to Where the Millers came out this year. <laughs> that would be normal, wouldn't it? That wouldn't feel that weird at all. Um, so what's it about? It's about uh, the the new. They're not doing the job they got promoted to at the end of the first one anymore. I don't think they're back to W whatever they're called. The like nightly news. Um, and their Ron and Veronica are called into their their big boss's uh, office, who's played by Harrison Ford. Um, surprise this makes Harrison Ford like a pretty prolific actor on our podcast but only (laughs) almost exclusively for Indiana Jones and bit roles Um, and he fires Ron because he thinks he sucks and promotes Veronica to head anchor and this causes them to have a fight and break up Um, and then Ron uh, falls into a pit of depression but eventually gets offered to host um, a segment on the 24-hour news coverage in New York. So he gets the crew back together, and it basically the first the the meat of the movie like charts the rise of sensationalist news and tr- sort of says it's because of Ron Burgundy's team that we now prioritize like live car chases over. I mean, this film uses the um, Asafat being interviewed about peace is peace achievable in the middle east um and so it's it's about it's sort of about that which is an interesting angle uh and then um ron who uh he's he's pissed off james marsden who used to be the big swinging dick at the the 24-hour news but is now um he's you know had to change his name to fuck stick or something Um, (laughs) jack lame well no but then he changes it to dick fuck okay no so i I feel every time I watch Anchorman Two, which has been a few times, I feel like I'm going insane. So I watched mm. it in the cinema, and I was like, "Yeah, cool. I've watched this movie." Then I watched it a few years later, and then I was like, "Wasn't there a shark in this movie?" And it just looked. I watched it; didn't have a shark in it at all. And then I watched it again this time, and it didn't have Dick Fuck in it. What did you watch it on Netflix? Yeah, the version I had on Netflix has Dick Fuck in it. That's insane. That's insane. Where did you watch yours? I, watched my, I, I, down, both... I downloaded mine on Netflix and watched it on a plane. Maybe the download version is different. Yeah. What did you get, Andrew? Did you get Dick Fuck? I did. Yeah. yeah. I got the shark too. got the whole kitten caboodle. <laughs> did we get the extended version? Because apparently Probably. the first cut of this film was four hours long. Well, this Close one it. felt four hours long. It's still, it's very long. <laughs> it's it's much two hours. This one, yeah. Yeah, because um, there's still a whole thing to go. So Jack Lame slash Dick Fuck, he um, he throws a a 
cable onto an ice skating rink where a now celebrated Ron Burgundy is skating and he he trips over it and goes blind and then retreats to a lighthouse where all his friends don't know how to deal with him except for Veronica who shows up um, and they nurse a, a baby shark back to health do, do, with their kid and um then yeah exactly and then he goes back and it's he he sort of he rejects the sensationalist news and goes to see his kids piano recital um but on the way is interrupted by another like news various news anchors who want to fight um in a scene which by that point in the movie i was desperate for it to end and then that scene happened and i was like all right i'll watch this (laughs) i'll pay attention to this (laughs) Um, and that's sort of the movie. And this is what I wrote in my Letterboxd review, right? Is that Adam McKay, who's gone on to make Don't Look Up and Vice and The Big, the Big Short. Short. And and especially with uh, Vice and Don't Look Up, kind of became the like the thorn in the side of conservative Republican America. If they really wanted to cancel him, if they wanted to do what happened to James Gunn with those naughty tweets getting discovered, they just need to watch Anchorman 2. Because this has got to be... <laughs> one of the most racist sexist like modern quote-unquote like movies within the last 10 years i've i can ever remember seeing this this is so lewd and horrible and like i feel like it's worse than the first one despite coming out Mm. nine years later like in terms of like i feel like a bloody snowflake because like there's there's like a whole plot line in it again it does the thing where it's like um here's this there's this female character and she's a black woman and she's ron's boss and that's such a big deal oh my god he can't stop saying black when he sees her it's 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 horrible it's horrible um and she she's you know his boss and then she succumbs to the wilds of ron burgundy and ends up sleeping with them and it's such a it's Fair such enough. a it's it's a it's an assassination of these ca- these female characters and it's an assassination at the altar of the male gaze because the characters the people making the film are male and they're much more interested in seeing a woman who's better than these men stoop to their level mm. than they are to like give these men what they deserve i there's a scene where he goes to her parents house for dinner and it's just will ferrell doing black speak for like three minutes and clearly it is improvised rough. as well it, oh, it, that makes it worse doesn't it yeah. that it was improvised this means this all exists in will ferrell's head there, yeah um, there's like there, there's like the the behind the scenes <laughs> um story from black Klansman, where Topher grace mm. was talking about he's playing david duke head of the kkk and like he said spike lee would come up to him and 
don't whisper it to tell everyone you told me to say that. I don't want people to think I came up with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it is it is like that. I just I I a long time ago when I was living at, at my you know when I was a teenager living at home, there would be like a movie would start and then like you could tell like a sex scene or something was coming up and you're watching with your parents oh, yeah. or your parents are in the room and you're like oh this is so awkward I don't want to watch this with my parents in the room. Fast forward to now I'm 29 and now I'm embarrassed of my flatmates thinking I'm racist so I have to put on headphones or watch it in another There's room. There's the cringe. There's like a, I know this is going to yeah. turn into a racist joke and you kind of brace for it because you're like well we all know that this is going to get into something horrific. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awful. Um, the There was um, one joke that my flatmate heard and laughed at and I started laughing because <laughs> they were laughing at it uh, which was when they're introducing Brian Fantana's new segment and they build it up as being like this new thing that he's discovered and it the punchline is that it's smoking crack and my flatmate she just burst out laughing hearing because it's delivered quite well and then i started laughing and i was like damn i was hoping i could get through the whole thing without laughing but that really got me and then crack is like they don't they it stays on the background of the whole movie they're now crack addicts for me like anchorman 2 is something and i spoke about this a couple of weeks ago on the bad boys episode um (laughs) but it like really unlocks this like primal part of me where like there is just this <laughs> this little boy inside me who just finds Anchorman two so funny <laughs> like um the the and it's funny because Anchorman two like a lot of people look at it as being an inferior sequel although what do you guys think the Rotten Tomatoes score is inferior <laughs> like well 40? I mean the first one the first one was what sixty six or something yeah. I think it will have gone down, but I think it'll be like 55. AJ, what did you say? I reckon like 40. Oh, it's actually 75. Is it higher? Yeah, it's higher. Really? I feel validated. I feel <laughs> wow, validated. Wow, no yeah. shit. But That's so, crazy. Um, I had no idea. The thing is that it's like, not only do I actually, I was, I'll say, I quite like Anchorman 2, that the thing that even people who like Anchorman 2 think, oh, the whole storyline about him going blind is so stupid. I think that is the funniest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I, I, I hated it because it went on for so long. And that, I was like, that's oh, why I love I it. Just, <laughs> I just want it to end. Why are we here? When, why are we here? <laughs> um, when they go to his house, and the, the rest of the news team, who have like kind of fallen out with him, go to his house, and he's just sitting there feeling sorry for himself. And everything he says there's some logical hole in it and he says uh, i'm blind he says that he drank half a bottle of ketchup thinking it was a fine scotch and they say well you know <laughs> surely that's like three or four gulps surely you would notice the the texture like i'm blind <laughs> and the other thing about anchorman 2 is i i watch the bloopers from anchorman 2 like once every six months they're so funny <laughs> and it's like the ones from that scene as well and he he talks about um <laughs> about masturbating and um raining down um uh a, a level of ejaculate uh, heretofore unseen he said now i know how those poor villagers in pompeii felt except instead of hot ash it was frothy ejaculate and it's like <laughs> it, it, trying to say that line and, and paul rudd just can't get through it and it didn't end up making the film so maybe they never got through it but it's the anchorman 2 bloopers are so fucking funny <laughs> 
My favourite bloopers, and I think my favourite scene in the whole film, is the news fight. Because it's obviously repeated from the first one, but they made it so much better. Because the cast is, I think the cast is funnier, but also Mm. the the fact that they've all got a very tacky punchline. And Mm. that so many of the punchlines were improvised. And there's this one clip of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler arriving. Mm. I think it's on a golf cart, isn't it? It's it's like Mm. a Jeep or like a four by four. It's like a Jeep and they're the entertainment reporters. Yeah. And they, there's so many takes where they both fuck it up, but it's just, you could tell they were having so much fun with that scene because it's the most stupid concept, but you could also Mm. see it happening. Because that's the thing. It's like, they clearly say to everyone, like just come up with a line. And then there's, there's one I know where, um, where Amy Poehler's like, you eat pussy, you're gonna. (laughs) <laughs> that's so good that's such a good line the most shocking so in, in that in the scene they've really upgraded like beyond the brat pack yeah yes you're jumping over the cast pack. we see in that so you've got well I, there's one i want to focus on specifically but please yeah go, so you've got go sasha baron cohen as bbc marion cotillard mm-hmm. and um jim carrey do the um canadian and french oh, canadian. canadian news team <laughs> yes uh will smith Kirsten Kirsten Dunst plays the maiden of the clouds who um, starts the the fight. Um, uh, yeah, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, Liam Neeson as the History Network, uh, which also features John C. Riley as the ghost of Stonewall Jackson, Kanye West <laughs> as Wesley Jackson from MTV, I think, um, and uh, Vince Vaughn as when Wes Manthuth makes a return as well. So here in Australia, they recreated that scene with. Australian news <laughs> yeah. teams and they got them all involved and it meant like logistically I don't know how they did it but they had like the ABC channel 9 channel 7 and they got them into a warehouse and they all had like like a spiky ball and a stick and someone <laughs> had a gun and they did the lines and they just threw themselves into it and honestly I go back and I watch that like maybe once a month because it's so well done and they just commit to it and I'm like if we did this in New Zealand there would be maybe like two, two teams or three teams <laughs> and it wouldn't really have the same like gravitas but I liked it I think you know I, I appreciate it. Does someone from the an Australian news channel say you like you eat pussy? You're gonna. <laughs> but imagine that in an Australian accent. <laughs> um, I knew about the scene. I guffawed when Kanye West appeared. I didn't know he did shit like this. Yeah. I was in- I was stunned to see. But Kanye so, had West. you not seen Anchorman two before? No, I'd never seen it before. What? <laughs> Sorry, I should have mentioned that. He's a purist. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I, I I thought like Kanye West had famously not done anything like this ever. But this is such an it's like insurmountably silly cameo that I was like, damn. Mm. You know, I've seen the fucking three-part documentary, so I'm not gonna say I have any more respect for him than I usually than I did before. <laughs> but it was surprising to see him there. But knowing how kind of unreasonable Kanye can be, can you just see the conversation where, like, he probably saw an article somewhere and he turned to his manager and was like, get me in that film. <laughs> well, I, I, I googled if it was, you know, like, googled any information, but I saw that apparently he'd, like, was trouble to to schedule or something mm. like that. Because they, they filmed them all in, like, like so that they didn't need to get everyone on the same day, basically. Yeah. But then there is this one hero shot, which is kind of like a reverse dolly through all of them running into each other mm. and i don't know if you see anyone big in that because there are a bunch of extras yeah, in the yeah. scene as well but it's a pretty good looking scene and they at least they at least get multiple parties on set at the same time so you can have like amy polar kick sasha baron cohen in the nuts mm. or something like the that. scale of it um this, but this yeah, is i can, I can believe that that <laughs> yeah right for people who work in news this is our end game <laughs> <laughs> what would the infinity stones be just like fake news (laughs) 
sensationalist news. Um, I'd like to see Hillary Barry, you know, in a fight with the team from the project. I think that'd be really fun. <laughs> Like her and like, Karnal are just going, going like <laughs> when, swords. For for all that, for our predominantly American listenership, these are all New Zealand deep cuts. <laughs> no, they're not that oh, deep no, cuts. I really for New misunderstood Zealand. the audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, I, I, um, one thing I didn't understand in this film, or one thing I sort of thought I saw coming, but then it didn't happen, was when they get the team back together because they go to, they think Brick's dead, and they go to his funeral, and he's there giving his own eulogy, and they, they're like, Brick, you're not, and the scene goes for way too long, and this is what, it, this is what it sounds like. This is what any given scene from Anchorman sounds like if you're in the other room mm. and you're hearing the audio muffled. It sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> like it's all like you're a, you're alive brick no, i'm alive no. you're you're yes. alive and it just goes on for fucking ages and tries yes, to get brick. insane you touch you touch your arm you can you're alive yeah yeah um but then they get in the 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 rv and they're driving down the highway and um <laughs> the joke is that ron's put it on cruise control and they're like Wait, that doesn't control. Yeah, I, I, I love your Brian Fantana's line where he's just like, "Ron, cruise control only moderates speed; it doesn't steer for you." It's just like yeah. it's like such and a before, concise description of what cruise yeah. control actually is that it's like someone read a manual and was like, <laughs> yeah. "That's the dialogue." We're not <laughs> yeah. that, that's the line. Uh, but then, they're, they're, before that, they're like, they're, "What, Ron? Why have you got this deep fryer here and this bag of bowling balls and this terrarium of scorpions?" And then after they realize that cruise control's on, it like skids out of control, and there's this like really like immaculately staged scene in slow motion where everyone's floating through like the zero gravity as the as the RV is tumbling over, and like um, uh, Champ gets hot oil splattered on his face, and someone gets like a bowling ball in in the nuts and stuff like that. And I was watching this going, going like, oh, so now they won't be able to do the news because their faces are all messed up. <laughs> and then that's they, they just it's look just fine in the next scene. Yeah. And I was like, is that not clearly the inciting incident <laughs> of the movie? Uh, Richard, before you, you were like, before, and I was like, don't forget to do French wise. You were like, yeah, yeah, it'll be the leader to Yeah, I get to um <laughs> yeah so the, but the the reason because we we sort of yeah did skip over the production of anchorman 2 a little bit so there was uh, as far back as 2008 there was sort of discussions about what would happen it was eventually announced on in march 2012 when uh, will ferrell appeared on conan in character as ron burgundy and yeah but the the original plan for the film so it was set to be released by paramount i believe and then what uh and there was made by dream there was there's something around the studio but what happened was they they pitched an anchorman sequel which was going to be a broadway musical and when i say broadway musical i actually mean like they were going to do a live stage show to do a sequel to anchorman and they they pitched that they were going to do it for six months perfect it and then film that and they said they talked about like you know it'll be fun then afterwards like what do we do at the end of six months like will people still want to see it if it's alec baldwin playing ron burgundy you know and Mm. i think you know people would but yeah and then they also they talked about you're doing these kind of weird ideas and then uh the paramount 
Yes, said no. We're not. We're not paying for it. After begging for years to make a sequel to Anchorman, they they said, "Oh, well, this is what we want to do." And they said, "No, it costs too much." And then eventually they reversed the decision, and we got Anchorman too. But the it's been said in interviews that the reason that we got we finally got this agreement to make a sequel is that Anna McKay wanted to make the big short, and this was sort of his bargaining chip. Was like, "All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll do your Anchorman sequel uh, if you greenlight the big short." Interesting, and that's why this this one certainly feels like it's got flavors of a political idea in the mm. center of it, with with the sensationalist news thing. If you watch like the other guys, which is another Adam McKay film, that has like a big it, it, the credits of that explain what a Ponzi scheme is, and it's like it's very clear that Adam McKay wanted to move into more sort of biting satire, political comedies. Yeah. Mm interesting but yeah now this this one got a bit a little too political for me like with one having a, a black woman boss um uh, you know please uh, ground it in reality <laughs> right richard is that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no this is great this is like this is one of those movies that pisses off everyone because it's too rude for the right mm. wing and, and too racist for the left wing so only people who think politics don't matter <laughs> can watch this movie and enjoy it yeah I, oh, oh, so, Present company not included, I guess. <laughs> I do want to say as well that I, I've quite often in the past like really, really shat on horrible child acting. This is probably my favorite horrible child acting I've ever seen. The, the, it's the, utilized. The, it's the, weaponized. Yeah, the, this, um, this son is just such a bad actor but it's so funny like it's it fits in the absurdity of the world post dog kick and it's <laughs> <laughs> and but it's just like you believe that this kid is just this fucking weird it's um it's also we didn't do any, there was no dumb IMDb trivia for the first two films but um a fun with the Andrew, I don't know if you know, but IMDb trivia is just user submitted, so anyone can post whatever. It can the fuck be they utter want. big yes. Uh, but this one is quite a fun one to point out that this is the second film after Alf in which Will Ferrell's character gives lingerie to a character named Walter, because <laughs> yes, <laughs> because he uh, yeah he he comes uh, to visit Veronica and Walter, this son with uh with a box that he says that there's a. Was supposed to be a present for Veronica, but he says a present for Walter, and it ends up being lingerie. So he obviously didn't mean to give that to his son. He was just thrown off by seeing Greg Kinnear, <laughs> the, <laughs> the uh, her new boyfriend. Yeah, he also uh, says uses the term he she in this scene, which I was like, my god, <laughs> I haven't heard the term he she in a decade. Like, I and believe. not in a respectful. They them no, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like well, all. was it respectful? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, funny stuff in this movie. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time we di- we dig into it deeper, I'm now like biting my tongue about like, no, I liked this one a lot more than the other Anchorman film. What, what, it's like what every your, time we unpick a new terrible thread, I'm like, <laughs> uh, well, now you know, can I can I retract? <laughs> no, no, that's on the record. What, what, Apparently you're uh, not the only one who thought the child actor was terrible. I've randomly just Googled a tweet from someone called Jack's Film saying, Anchorman 2 was pretty funny, but good lord, that child actor was terrible. So bad. And everyone's like, yep, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> Funniest part. I would have thought Jack's Film would uh, be able to appreciate that. 
Do we know Jack's film? Jack's like film know. is like a pretty prominent YouTuber. Okay. He's he did he, in the the Jingle Bells video. He's the one playing the piano. You know mm. Jack's film. You know Jack's film. I know. I'm just checking. <laughs> but hey, yeah. What what are your favorite bits of the film, Andrew? Let's bring some I, levity to this Anchorman. I podcast. still can't get over the final scene. Like it, when I think of this film, that is all my brain will go to is that is that moment. Oh, the the I fight think scene. The fight scene is just so good, mm. and I think. I think it because it obviously hits at the end of the film. It's kind of like a reward for getting mm. through some slightly bumpier scenes, <laughs> and then that hits, and you're like, you know what? It's not as bad as I thought. At least the scene slaps. <laughs> it's like we we needed this as well, like because as far as like distant comedy sequels go, they're they're actually like for for the most part of the film, they're pretty good at not just reliving everything from the first film. There, there is, there's a few, like there's uh there's a scene in the first film where Brian is showing off all his different colognes. There's the sex Panther 60% of the time. It works every time. There's mm-hmm. a kind of sequel to that scene where he's showing off his different condoms, but yeah, it's like, he also throws the six panda, six panda, six panther um, <laughs> bottle. As Look, like I wish the pandas would have during. sex. That might help with their endangerment. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also a plot from the first film. Wow, there we go. Yeah, yeah, funny stuff. Funny stuff. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to lay the bedrock for how like this is an awful, racist, despicable movie. Well, yeah, like, that's and then the be thing. like, and what was your favorite part? And what was your favorite part? Like, because there there is still a part of me, and I'm able to say this as a privileged white man, that like even some of the racist stuff still gets a reaction out of me just because it's it, it's that like so shocking that you can't even like. I can't even comprehend my own response to it. When Will Ferrell's at dinner table with this black family and says, which one of you pipe-headed bitches can pass the whatever, I'm like, mm. that's insane. And uh, yeah, and it's it sticks with me. What's, yeah, it's 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 a laugh out of shock. It's, yeah. it's probably more shocking now than it was in 2013. Mm. You probably didn't go like, oh. In 2013, you're probably just like, this is what the standard of comedy yeah. will be forever. Yeah, like like watching it now, I'm like, Jesus, you know? It's that kind of reaction. <laughs> but it's, it's also just yeah. so Will Ferrell. Like, I randomly, like, a few mm. months ago, went back and, like, Netflix or something recommended um, Austin Powers. And I was like, oh, it's been ages since I've seen this film. Yeah. And we got to a very early one, and Will Ferrell's, like, one of the villains at the table. And Will Ferrell's just sitting there in blackface wearing, like like yeah. a fez or something and i was like <laughs> yeah. oh god that did not register at all and then there's like other ones with feral there's one i can't remember what movie it is it's probably called like i can't remember what it's called like toughen up or something and the poster is will getting oh, get cornrows hard. get hard get he's, hard. he's get getting hard. cornrows and i was like this is a recurring theme <laughs> yeah well there, there are a lot of comedians that 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 sort of a focus a lot like uh tina fey's another one who tina's a lot of race-based comedy a lot of race-based comedy and Mm. one of these things that i think she was one that that, you know 2020 when everything was was sort of being looked at again that yeah there was a lot of stuff about tina fey and it's like why does she feel the need to comment on race so much like yeah Mm. and also she comments a lot about like a lot of 
like a religious stereotypes as well in 30 Rock. I did a rewatch recently. And I mean, mm. that's kind of weird. Amazing, it's, yeah. it's such a New York show as well. And New York mm. is obviously like a melting pot of so many cultures, but there's so many jokes about religious groups in there as well. And rewatching, I was like, I don't know half these jokes and whether they're based yeah. on, and everything's <laughs> based on stereotypes in that show as well. Hmm. I, th- I think as well that like because I think she she did end up talking about it and said like I I could no longer hide behind intent as an excuse or something like that that was that's like you know yeah, exactly. she, she, she at the time always used to be like yeah we'll have blackface in our show because it's ridiculous that this character would do blackface and it's like you you still shouldn't do blackface um, but then also they got busted for doing, they did the blackface scene, which is when hmm. Jenna Maroney's character comes into a scene in full blackface and they're like, it's so hmm. inappropriate for her to do it. It's like it's like in the first Anchorman film, how hmm. they're like, hmm. we're making a joke about how sexist these characters are. They sh- they're not actually sexist. It's kind hmm. of the same thing where you're still having a laugh because someone's in blackface, whether the core of the joke exactly. is, you know? Yeah, and you're still having these people on set improvising sexist things that they think are funny and a, and a lot of them yeah. are just like the joke isn't oh my god look at how sexist he is for what he said it's like this is a joke where a woman is the butt of it yeah and the, i mean it just comes down to like it's all good for tina fey and even whatever she said to backtrack on it's all good for her to be like oh the intent was to show the racism not add to it and it's like okay but why are you a white person why do you have that intent? Like this is the, these, you know, joke. I like to believe that in theory, you can joke about every, anything, but like, who is the person who is yeah. saying the joke? And if you're a white person doing a joke about, uh, how, how different black people are. Still punching white down people. no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so you're saying white people should stick to white people jokes. Black people should stick to black people jokes. No, black people can do anything. Any <laughs> <other jokes. laughs> I believe AJ um, supports segregation. Wow. No, no, no. I don't support it. <laughs> it feels like you're about to use another word, which is going to no, be somehow I know. Worse. I couldn't think of a good enough punchline. Yeah, no, yeah. To, it's, to- I think it's it's quite funny. Just like, why would you emphasize the word support? <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, that's a good joke. There. And for those listening at home, he did use air quotes. You can't see, and there's nowhere to prove it, but there were air quotes involved. Oh, my God, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> any any final thoughts on Anchorman 2? Uh, it's too long, and it's not very funny. Uh, it's just the right length, and it's fucking I feel hilarious. like it's a product of its time. It's one of those films that we'll look at for, like, two, like the mid-2000s, and it's just mm. one of those comedy films which sticks out like a sore thumb. It's the same with Zoolander. It's the same with mm. all of those films. It love it or loathe it. It's absolutely just like, especially because of its memeability. That's a new word yeah. I've just made up. It is absolutely mm. ingrained in our generation. Whether you love it or hate it, everyone has yeah. seen it, and it's this just going to be like this that. The forever. first one, the first the one first in particular, and I think the second one doesn't hit the same mark with that. But that's okay. Yeah. It's it's allowed to be different. Do you, the, the 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 second one, I think it's it's one of those um comedies which like because we've covered a few of these i feel like on the podcast we're like because everything looks modern because it's from less than 10 years ago um it's more shocking to see mid-2000s humor in it and i think like yeah we've covered a few films where it feels like this really didn't know it was standing on the precipice of this kind of humor Mm. not only being funny but being appropriate and so it becomes more shocking for that because you're like 2013 
they just made a, a racist joke. It wasn't even a joke. They just it was went just ahead a and remark. made a new racist joke. <laughs> the, I, I, I'm curious, have you guys ever seen Zoolander 2? No. I think I have. No, I have. I, I definitely have. It, it like, it's, it's not good. <laughs> like, so, cause, so, but I, I went to go see Zoolander 2, like opening night, I think. And I wasn't expecting good things. Don't get me wrong. But then I went to it. I went to work the next day and people were like, oh, you saw Zoolander 2. Like, did you enjoy it? And I go, yeah, I did. And they, they're like, was it good? And I said, fuck no. Like, <laughs> but it was a similar thing. I haven't rewatched it. Like I have Anchorman, but I, yeah, Zoolander 2, I was just weirdly in the right mood for, but fuck, it's a bad film. Something doesn't have to be good, though, for you to enjoy it. You know, yeah, I think exactly. it's possible for something to be objectively bad. Take it, you can take a step back from it and observe it as something's bad. And sometimes that makes it more enjoyable. Yeah. It's a lesson I think we could all stand to learn. And Anchorman is the platform to teach us that. <laughs> yeah. So, we have a segment here called Continue the Franchise, where we each pitch our own different continuation of the franchise. There has been, you know, obviously people have been asked about, is there going to be a third film? There's been a bit of back and forth, um, you know, at, at the time they said, oh, you're going to do a third one. A lot of people sort of said, oh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Maybe in 10 years we'll do another one. And then in 2014, McKay said, nah, that's it, not doing it. And then... 2014 he said yeah maybe we could um <laughs> and he which said which film did he want to make and in the studio yeah, yeah, like yeah. but wait a minute <laughs> but um yeah he said um, apparently the third film could be having to do with the iraq war that, that involving the journalists going to the iraq war so that, that he said that they they had that idea he said then 2018 he said they had that idea that, that could be a possible third film and yeah there was also another like one of these sort of weird continue the franchises for a film but uh in 2019 will ferrell started the ron burgundy podcast in uh in character as ron burgundy and there's currently i think 57 episodes with uh over across four seasons with plans for a, a fifth in active development I wonder if it's good. I feel like I'd find that really frustrating to listen to. Mm. Yeah, I think so as well. I think I get just angry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The opposite of a sleep meditation podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, and, you know, I know I'm, this might just be a me thing, but fictional podcasts? Mm, well, no, it's, it's like, like them. He, he, like, interviews. Like, impro- um, like in character. Yeah, he interviews, like, modern celebrities and stuff like that. But yeah, I wonder character. how it fits into the canon. What time mm. frame it's supposed to be set in? I don't know. I I guess yeah. Like I, even though it's there's still real elements to it, I think I would find the the fictional element of it too too frustrating to mm. be able to get into it. It's funny, like on Wikipedia, when it has those like charts of the the tables of all the different things, and it says like running time for Anchorman one is ninety four, Wake Up Ron Burgundy is ninety three minutes, Anchorman two is one hundred nineteen minutes, the Ron Burgundy Burgundy podcast is one thousand six hundred thirty six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most Ron Burgundy content you can get out there. Mm. I'm so glad that wasn't like required listening for this. <laughs> <laughs> 
but Maybe he's also reprised the role a few times. He's done at the roast of Justin Bieber. He appeared in 2015 as Ron Burgundy. And Justin Bieber was like, "Who's this? <laughs> yeah. Who's this character?" Uh, he he did a bunch of stuff in character. There's a, a a book called "Let Me Off at the Top: My Classy Life and Other Musings," which is an autobiography of Ron Burgundy written by Will Ferrell and the most recent I think was in in person I guess is uh, in 2019 there was a Fox News Fox Sports coverage of some football game or something or basketball I don't know <laughs> uh, and yeah what, what have we got for continue the franchises today lads Anchorman um Andrew do you want to go first did we brief you on on continue the franchise I have cooked up an idea in my head already. So you go first. Okay. I'll follow your lead, but I have an idea. Good. Okay. <laughs> well, I was just thinking that, like, because in order to get Adam McKay to do it, you probably do need to give it a more tantalizing political commentary nowadays because that's what he wants to do. And I could see a Anchorman 3 The Legend Ends being about, like, an elderly ron burgundy in modern day combating like fake news and um, maybe it's a pass the torch thing where he's he's a he's a side character and you know you get whoever is funny these days to be a new <laughs> wacky anchor man i think the the main thing they'll want to do is um stay away as far as they can from the problematic elements of the first two films and so try and make something which feels like you don't have to watch the other two to remind mm. yourself so that's what i'm thinking like maybe a new main character like who's who's a wacky youngish how old was will ferrell like 40 in mm. anchorman one louis ck okay let's get louis ck <laughs> on board um no i don't know like yeah i could easily see it being a the force awakens kind of situation um mm. and i don't I think anyone's get- compared star wars <laughs> to the anchorman film. we compare everything to star wars though <laughs> so maybe we have um so yeah that's that's my pitch yes uh, Andrew, i think what have you got? i think i'd like to see ron go full alex jones like we obviously saw a bit of it in, Anch- in anchorman 2 but i want to see him in like a basement with a green screen <laughs> like twitch streaming conspiracy theorists and then I think you could make it run alongside the January 6th riots. And I think you could just like slightly rewrite history to make him have a really key part in it. Like he's the one who accidentally set off the riots. And I think that would be quite good seeing him go full nut job conspiracy theorist. That's mm-hmm. what I'd like to see. Nice. Andrew, did you know that my full name is Alex Jones? Well, I, I wasn't going to say, but I hope the defamation <laughs> trial went well for you because... <laughs> it, it did not. It did not. <laughs> it didn't look like it, yeah. <laughs> I um How's your I, phone? whenever I meet <laughs> whenever I meet someone new and I tell them they find out my name's Alex Jones, I see it in their eyes that they 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 want to bring it up, but they never do. Have you so heard I'm letting, of <laughs> I'm letting you off the hook? <laughs> um, uh, one one thing I forgot to mention with the continue the franchise is like in promotional sort of material leading up to the the second film, they did a bunch of like the Channel Four News like history of the world and they did like a bunch of different countries and so there was a piece for new zealand and there so i was clearly just like hey look it's your country and so it's brian fantana being like hey did you know all this about new zealand it's like don't compare them to australians and all this stuff it's 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 kind of funny like you know it's clearly someone's done their research and like actually sort of contributed to it but the the other one they released a bunch of like files from the archive of 
uh ron burgundy and i remember this being on the news is that there's a clip of will ferrell as ron burgundy talking about the dunedin rhododendron festival and he's like um and and essentially it's like just just this very small clip and he's like says something about like new zealanders turned out for the dunedin rhododendron (laughs) festival he's like oh that's awful there should be a a warning before that that says you're going to have a bad day after you read this God, he cannot be stopped. The man is a comedy machine. <laughs> but that goes straight to the New Zealand psyche of, did they just say New Zealand? Immediately yeah. we're in. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that, that's, yeah, it's that's on the, the news. I, I'm so curious about how, if other countries are like that. Because we're like, one of the only ones like big enough that, like, like with that bright mix of like big and small, where we like, people know who we are and know a few things about us but it's the culpopture of countries <laughs> <laughs> um but we but we are still pathetic enough that every time it gets mentioned mm. we go Ugh. yeah exactly the culpopture <laughs> <laughs> so my continue the franchise is i i following on from your one aj i would quite like to see ron burgundy into the me too era like i feel mm. like that's where you would go with the next film is ron burgundy gets me too'd oh my god yeah okay but how do you stay he literally like spanks a woman's butt and wake up wrong burgundy, mm. like just someone he doesn't even know, but she likes it, so it's okay. Mm. Um, well, the, that'll be the thing. Yeah, they'd, like, they'd, they'd have like um, like Zoe Kazan and um, Carrie Mulligan uh, come to investigate Ron Burgundy, and they both end up having sex with him. Right, that would be what. That's a reference to, to the upcoming film. She said about <laughs> the two journalists that um, mm. discovered the Harvey that broke the Harvey Weinstein story. My, my continue the franchise is called Anchor Woman, and it's a gender swapped remake of the first film, and just going wow. full tit with the misandry of the film, mm. like make it. But it's funny because they're women, and and you're saying something with, it, and they're they're preying on on men. Mm. Imagine and if you, you have, just literally flipped the script, like man turned to woman, you would yeah. not need to change a thing. And all of a sudden we'd be sitting here like, this was so edgy. I really thought mm. they said a lot with this. <laughs> God, they, they really pushed the, the, the boundaries. Get the, get the cast from uh, the Ghostbusters 2016 to do it. <laughs> yeah, We've such got a head on our hands. <laughs> okay, I don't know how controversial this is. I really liked the Ghostbusters reboot. I don't know care how controversial wow. this is. I loved it. <laughs> This is the platform to do this. Listen, I don't care <laughs> if, if people are like Andrew can get absolutely fucked for this opinion. I rate it. <laughs> did you did you see Ghostbusters Afterlife? I haven't seen this yet. Yeah, yeah that's 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 what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> do they mention it at all? Uh, I don't believe so. No. Like but, it doesn't fit into the Ghostbusters cinematic universe. Yeah, two Anchorman so the, no, two the- alums who went on to star in Ghostbusters. Kristen Wiig mm. uh, is in. Anchorman 2 as the female brick, which is like such a sequel trope. Mm-hmm. And what's the other? Paul oh. Rudd and Ghostbusters Afterlife. Right. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. There's also an yeah. Anchorman 2. We've got a segment called Meeting of the Elders where we turn to our Discord for um, where we get people's thoughts on Anchorman. So uh, we 
this is how we told people we were covering Anchorman. But so uh, Vincent Bay said, loved Anchorman. The second I watched it when I was 12 or 13, Anchorman 2 was a dream come true when it was announced. I didn't watch any trailers for it, so I would not be spoiled on the jokes. I saw it opening day and had a blast. I was laughing so much, as did everyone else in the pack theater. When it came out on Blu-ray, I watched it again and didn't have the same experience. I saw it as a fine enough sequel that could never come close to the first. I only really laughed at Harrison Ford showing up for a quick check and how many cameos they shoved into the big battle at the end i mean come on so silly when would will smith ever get confrontational (laughs) but of course we'd have seen him get confrontational in bad boys (laughs) and Um, i robot as well (laughs) yeah uh bad brent for life says anchorman was the entirety of pop culture in high school and college even to this day i find myself saying stuff like milk was a bad choice it's peak Will Ferrell. Christine Applegate is such a perfect foil for the boys in the newsroom. Fucking Fred Willard. It's all so good. They also made a sequel. Um, it is funny. The, the milk was a bad choice thing. I remember watching the second one that when um, Mac Tannen, Harrison Ford's character, says to Christine Applegate, like, you're going to be the first female anchor and, you know, whatever. And Will Ferrell says, and I'll be the first lactose intolerant anchor. And it's like, your yeah, milk was mm. a bad choice for you on the first movie. Wow, they thought about it. <laughs> uh, Bliss My Dog says, watched Anchorman 2 first in theatres. I didn't really get half the jokes. It's relatively reliant <laughs> on the What original. a crazy experience. But it was still fun. Gotta say that the bizarre third act twist of Ron going blind and retiring to a lighthouse was just a bit too weird. It felt out, way too out of place. Almost like a weird remnant of the musical. Feels like it would be more make more sense there. My favourite bit was definitely the running bit early on about things being chicken of the something because champ has opened a chicken restaurant where um he serves fried bat because it's cheaper and he calls bats chicken of the cave and then bless my dog says cats the chicken of the rail yard has stuck with me for almost a decade um (laughs) that's great uh, yeah that's one of my favorite lines of the film my other like favorite random little joke is when um Brian Fantana is just a massive success now and he's like yeah I've got three jacuzzis from my wine I'm not much of a wine guy but I know you have to keep it hot <laughs> which you don't You've, mm. it's, you're supposed to chill it you're famously not <laughs> yeah yeah uh, eventually I did get around to watching the original it's a lot better and definitely a lot more grounded compared to the sequel obviously talking pre-dog kick that said yeah he must, he must be <laughs> talking pre-dog kick that said it kind of got quoted around so much that I had to remind myself that it escalated quickly and similar lines had their origin here it kind of makes it seem less impactful seeing it so much later on it also retroactively made me dislike the sequel more seeing some characters go from lovable but flawed individuals in the original to heathenistic assholes in the sequel was certainly jarring in particular Brick while certainly being dumb in the original was kicked down about 12 notches in the smarts department this is a misremembering of how bad they are in the first Mm. film i think haven't seen wake up ron burgundy but the concept is definitely fascinating to me i wonder if it's been done before to such an extent i know stuff like this is spinal tap has an extensive amount of deleted scenes but never to the point of having enough to make a cohesive question mark feature overall a nice (laughs) but uh messy uh franchise duology trilogy thing dimitri says the anchorman one and two steelbook was the first thing i ever stole from walmart <laughs> and uh, is that meeting a uh, dan has just linked um steve corral's anchorman audition tape says his tape lives in my head rent free makes me laugh harder than anything in the movie what an incredible audition 
I haven't seen it, but nice. I'm going to open the tab and uh, give you a watch that. Bookmark that for later. <laughs> <laughs> now say it like Ron Burgundy. I'll bookmark that for later. <laughs> that was a pretty average Ron Burgundy impression, yeah. but it sounded like a Ron Burgundy line. Yes. Um, if you would like to get involved in Meeting of the Elders, by the way, everybody, there is a tier on our Patreon called Cult Elders, where if you join it, then you get access to the super secret Discord channel where you get to tell us your thoughts on the franchise of the Fortnite. Now, we've got a segment called Rank That Franchise. Andrew, if you want to play along, I've just sent you a link to our ranked list of every franchise we've covered on the podcast before. And you can help us decide where to put Anchorman. Where it goes. Now remember, this this list will not include the last two franchises we've ranked. So the number might not be entirely accurate by the time you check it at the end of this. <laughs> this I love how people are like, that. no, we'll notice. It's got to be right. Yeah, yeah, they might. They might. Um, yeah, no, but canonically, this is, this is where we're ranking mm. it now. So it's always fun. The link is open. When people mm. look at this and see how we've ranked different things there's what we call the nymphomaniac constant which is currently at number 72 and that's the first nymphomaniac is one of the best films we've ever watched for the podcast the second one is one of the worst so they even each other out so we consider that to be like a perfect zero franchise so or a you know perfect middle of the road franchise and anything below that is more bad than good anything above that is more good than bad so first question we have to answer does it go above or below that it certainly goes around it because i'm (laughs) unable to like immediately think of i think it's pretty close to the nymphomaniac constant what have we got either side of golden and the mighty ducks all right i reckon that this is um better than i reckon this is one worse than the mighty ducks what do you guys think yeah i think it fits in around here i have to say it yeah. fits in yeah. around here I, I'm, it's distinctly meh that's the tone yeah, yeah, yeah. well it's, it's just got so much bad stuff that i feel like it assassinates all the good stuff and just becomes like yeah. as a all franchise right. so it's, we've it's got a we've got a new zero. just barely good enough franchise <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good to have benchmarks. Is there any other <laughs> any other fun musings you have there, Andrew? Looking at the list, I'm I'm going through this, and <laughs> it's so weird because I look at them, I go, "Why have you put this so low?" But then I go, "Well, the first one was good, but the rest exactly, exactly." Yeah. That's crucial to understanding that, that the list. Absolutely makes sense. Like the Santa Claus, perfect example, but also Pirates of the Caribbean is such a good example. The first one slaps, mm. arguably one of yeah. my favorite films. But then, yeah. dear Lord, as it goes on, it just yeah. gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> Tough stuff. A bloody, a bloody anchor. Aren't they making a new the, the Santa Claus? Hanging it down. Yeah, they're making I'm a seeing it on the list. On Disney Plus. Oh. Mm. The Santa Claus. It's just like home improvement, but with Santa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, how did they get Tim Allen for a TV show? <laughs> um so that is more or less the entire podcast hmm. I've, i don't think i've forgotten any segments uh aj have i i don't know i don't think so we, I mean, <coughs> I don't we, know. Need, to, fucking asking we need to reveal what the next franchise is yes which is currently being voted on on patreon uh but in real time it doesn't exist yet um so i was thinking like we could literally cut to just audio of me in three weeks time saying what's one mm. right yeah so now. aj please reveal our next franchise 
All right, Richard. Our next our next franchise is Alien vs Predator, and it's going to be three episodes, three different podcasts. Wow, I've always wanted to cover that. <laughs> you almost need like Siri to read it. Yeah. yeah, or like, or just a really terrible quality microphone. Like you've just you've recorded <laughs> it on your phone. Yeah, later on. Yeah. So check that out next fortnight. And um, otherwise, if you've enjoyed the show, then please um, consider following us at all the places. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Popsha. You can um, subscribe to us on various YouTube channels. If you look up Cold Popsha on Google Everything and then us. just hold hold control and click every social media so they come up in different tabs, then go and like or follow whatever tab that is. That'd be good. Um, and of course, you can join our Discord, which there is a link to in the description. And if you want to throw in some money that's patreon.com slash where you get a bunch of rewards including um post credit scene which will be coming up now after this music aj ends. i want to know what do i do if mm. i listen to this podcast and i only enjoyed andrew mcfarlane well if you only enjoyed andrew mcfarlane where can people follow you andrew mcfarlane Twitter's usually where the really bad hot takes are as richard can vouch mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm. they're bloody bad so Twitter's probably the best place to find. Do you I see really stuff like, handle? oh, I liked Ghostbusters 2016. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just 10,000 posts of that. Um, I didn't think yeah. Anchorman was racist enough. <laughs> what's your, what's enough your Twitter handle? Got- My Twitter handle is Andrew Macf, NZ. That's M-A-C-F-N-Z. God, I should have picked something that was easy to say. Yeah. Well, that'll be in the show notes as well. Anywhere else you want us to check out, Andrew? Do you have a, a budding podcast or anything that you? A Twitch. <laughs> Just because I'm a white dude, why would I have a pot? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no, there's nothing else. Should I start Twitch? Me with like Animal yeah. Crossing villages I've killed off. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now that you've had I got a taste COVID for podcasting, again and I checked it on them, and they were all so angry with me. Mm, it's like when i when i logged into neopets and my shoiru was angry i hadn't fed him 12 years <laughs> but it didn't die i'm like nintendo it didn't die yeah i turned my kachik into a chombi and then stopped playing because i was so miserable <laughs> all right everybody thank you for coming along andrew and we'll see you guys next week stay tuned for the post credit scene bye All right, welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash Cole you get to give us something to talk about in the post credit scene. Andrew is still here, so he can answer anything that is asked as well, if he would like. Spicy. So, <laughs> you're under no obligation to answer this, Andrew, but Brent Taylor has asked, what is your favorite family guy joke? <laughs> I the one that I that always gets me is there's a bit where there I've been watching a lot of Family Guy in 2020. I feel like that needs to be mentioned that you have been watching so much Family Guy, yeah, and that is absolutely the reason why this was. And, and I've been I've been talking about Family Guy nonstop. It's like I've I've now come so far around that I find finding Family Guy really fun. I find <laughs> I find finding Family Guy funny, funny. But I right. the one joke that always got me growing up is. There's, they're having a garage sale and Lois is like, Peter, you're selling your anvil? And then Peter's like, yeah, I've had a lot of good times with this thing. And it cuts to him hoisting his anvil up um, <laughs> on a tree and has a dollar underneath it and then waits for a moment and then goes, ooh, a dollar, and then jumps under and the anvil falls on him. <laughs> Very <laughs> Hoisted good. by his own petard, if you will. <laughs>
Andrew, what's your favorite Family Guy joke? Here's the thing. We never really grew up watching Family Guy. We were, like, The Simpsons was probably the edge mm. growing up of, like, mm. the most controversial adult cartoon we could watch, which, let's be <laughs> honest, The Simpsons is now nowhere near as controversial. Mm. So we never watched mm. the show. But for some reason, the TikTok algorithm is feeding me mm. Family Guy clips. Yeah. It, that's and, that's a growing epidemic. <laughs> I don't know why. And I'm try- I'm literally currently... <laughs> looking through my TikToks <laughs> and I would have liked because there's absolutely been clips, mm. but I can't I can't think of anything off the top of my head because I think that speaks it's just for sometimes itself. the stupidest <laughs> stuff, and yeah. I'm, I can't remember anything definitively. But there's always been some. Yeah, mm. there's so many I could uh, list. I I've always liked them them about to drown in the safe, and then mm. Peter talks about how he didn't care for the Godfather. I feel like that's a very that feels like a joke <laughs> I would have wanted to write for mm. Family Guy. I love that scene. Um, I don't really like oh. Family Guy. I think the first episode is the best episode of the show, though, and my favorite joke in that is when he <laughs> gets a bunch of money and he says, "Kids, I'm going to take you out for the most expensive meal you ever ate," and then it cuts to them in a drive-through, and he goes, "Yeah, can I get ten thousand <laughs> chicken fajitas um that's my favorite family guy joke um i also li- like when he because he has to kill the cast of dawson's creek and he's like oh, i knew this day would come as soon as that show premiered I, <laughs> I remember the one that i cut like keeps on popping up on tiktok is so stupid but it's these three women sitting around a table and it's not like not a cut scene with peter or anyone hmm. there's three women sitting around a table crying and superman walks in and he's like why are you women crying and they're like we've all got breast cancer it's like someone's been x-raying our chests every day for eight hours a week or something and i lose it every time it's so stupid <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good gag <laughs> Yeah, family guy. Well, there you have it, everybody. Our favorite family guy joke. The one that I know you also like, AJ, is when (laughs) Peter comes to, uh, Peter goes to Lois's book club and he's like, a book can also be a hat. (laughs) And he puts 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 the book on his head. That. And a boat's a boat, but a mystery box could be anything. (laughs) It could even be a boat. You know how much you've wanted one of those. Anyway, these are. These are classic jokes from a 20-year-old show, which has long since passed its prime. I don't want people thinking I like Family Guy anymore. I love Family Guy. I love Family Guy. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. Thank you for sticking along for the post-credits scene. Thank you for having me. I hope you had fun. I hope it was worth it. (laughs) I don't know if we can ever say, was it worth watching... (laughs) Man one and two, fine, but the the whole fucking film cut from the bloopers. Mm. (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 